Last week I asked you if you have ever visited a Hall of Fame of any kind. And we learned last week there's quite a few Halls of Fame. We made mention of a few unique Halls of Fame. We talked about the Circus Hall of Fame and the Insurance Hall of Fame. And I want to take just a few minutes to uh, introduce you to a few more. Uh, there's this one here. This is the Internet Hall of Fame. Looks like a wild bunch there, right? Uh, the, the Internet Hall of Fame, they uh, remember and recognize the, the pioneers and the, the, the innovators who helped the Internet grow and spread worldwide. There is this next one, which is the uh, Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame in Fort Worth, not the football team, but those who have excelled in the business and the support for the rodeo and western lifestyle in Texas. And uh, here's one more. This is the Robot Hall of Fame in Pennsylvania. In this Hall of Fame, you'll find uh, some familiar robots from those uh, well-made science fiction movies from the past, right? And uh, also, uh, they, they recognize advancements in robotic technology as well. So, so lots, of, lots of halls of fame. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. We started this uh, chapter last week looking at the biblical hall of fame, or, or what some call the hall of faith. And the reason why is because the author's aim in Hebrews 11 is to define what faith is and then put faith on display by highlighting the great men and women of God who have gone before us. And the reason he spends this chapter giving these examples is because the, the author of Hebrews is encouraging his readers to live accordingly. He has already spent the first nine and a half chapters of the book laying the theological foundation for the book, making the case theologically for how and, and why Jesus is greater. Remember, he's dealing with the Jewish Christian audience who are drifting a bit. They are even considering other belief systems as being maybe on par with Christianity. And so he is writing to tell them not to do that, not to drift, but to consider Jesus, look to him, trust in him, and follow hard after him. And after laying the theological foundation for the book, showing that Jesus is supreme in every way. He has accomplished a superior work. He has accomplished our salvation as our great high priest. The author of Hebrews then transitions to the practical. And he basically says, therefore, in, in light of who Christ is and the work that he has accomplished on your behalf, here is how you are to live. He says, do not throw away your confidence. Do not abandon your great hope you have in Jesus that resulted in you standing strong in the faith early in your spiritual life through the worst of trials. Do not shrink back, stand strong like you once did, and live by faith. And after saying that, the author of Hebrews goes on to explain what faith is. He gives a biblical definition of faith, examples of what it means to live by faith. Last week we looked at a few from verses 1 through 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. We learned about Abel. We learned from Abel how to worship by faith. 
We learn from the obscure Enoch how to walk by faith. We learn from Noah how to obey by faith. And today we're going to pick up where we left off last week by looking at the great faith of Abraham and Sarah in verses 8 through 19. And we're going to learn more lessons about the faith from this famous biblical couple. Notice the first lesson we learn about faith. It's from Abraham. We learn faith is confidence in God when his calling is challenging. Faith is confidence in God when his calling is challenging. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, now, many of you are familiar with this story. You know the story in Genesis 12. We're told that God comes to Abraham, not because there was anything special about Abraham. He simply chose him out of a pagan land, set him apart to serve him. He says, I want you to leave your, your homeland behind, your country, your family behind, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And what are we told that Abraham what, what did he do? Did he debate God? Did he question God? Did he argue with God on this? We're not told that, are we? All we're told is that he went. He went. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He responded in faith to this challenging calling. He went to live in a foreign land. Now, now we don't think much about this today some of you think well I go to places all the time where I've never been maybe you've even lived in a foreign land for a time you're thinking to yourself I, I've packed up and moved away from family no big deal well this is where context is key people didn't do this in this day this was unheard of the Mesopotamian world was extremely dangerous at this time. Your protection was your people and your family. Traveling alone made you targets of some wicked people. And of course, they did not have phones and FaceTime and Skype, planes, trains, any type of automobile. So at times when they left, they were saying goodbye for good. That is a huge leap of faith. You ever told Abraham, trusted God. God told him what he wanted Abraham to do. What he told him to do was not easy, but Abraham did it. God said, go. Abraham went. That's faith. At times, God calls for us to do hard things. Sometimes those decisions we make for him, they separate us from friends and family. It's hard. God's way is seldom ever the easiest way, but it is the best way. One of my favorite fictional books that I read over and over again is Pilgrim's Progress. Great book by John Bunyan. It's an allegory on the Christian life. The main character in the story is Christian. And in the story, he is given a book. And he reads that book, and when he does, he develops a burden on his back. And of course, the book is the Bible, and the burden is sin. And he realizes he must leave his homeland, the city of destruction, behind and head toward the celestial city. And along the way, he goes to the cross. That's where he loses his burden. 
And from then on, he is on what is called the hard but right way toward the celestial city. And along the way, there are all these temptations for Christian to leave the path, to stop off places, to take shortcuts. And whenever he does, it always makes matters worse for him. A wonderful story about the Christian life and a reminder that the life that God has called for us to live is not easy, but it's better. It's better by far. Abraham shows us this. Faith is believing this. It's believing that what God has said, no matter what it is, it's, it's better. And it's doing that which he says. Doing what he's called for us to do no matter what, no matter how difficult. Look at the second lesson we learn about the faith. We also learn from Abraham that faith is having an eternal perspective when fulfillment is unseen in the here and now. Abraham was promised a land and a nation, but he did not live to see any of those things, yet he continued to believe and he followed the Lord in faith. That's the point the writer of Hebrews is making here. Look again at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Skip down to verse 13. We're going to look at this now and, and return to it in a moment. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Though Abraham was promised a land in a nation, get this, he died a foreigner in a strange land living in tents with a small family. Yet, he died in faith, believing that what was promised was coming. That's incredible. That's faith, right? Man, we, we want to see results, don't we? We do. Right now, we want to see them. When sharing our faith, we want that person we're sharing with to respond right then. We don't want them to respond later when we don't know about it. We don't want them to respond right then and there. When preaching, pastors want revival to break out on their watch and not down the road, but at their church. We want to witness the fruit of our labor, but God doesn't always work in that way. And I believe at times he doesn't because he simply wants you and me to be faithful regardless and trust that, that he is going to do work and bring fruit in his time and in his own way that's what he does with abraham and isaac and jacob they did not experience the fulfillment of land and nation but we know it was fulfilled and we know that they played a pivotal role in that great work now here's a good question for us to ask if abraham died before witnessing the fulfillment of this great promise what was his motivation to continue in the faith why did they all die in faith? How did they keep going knowing they weren't going to see this fulfillment? We, we're told in this passage they had an eternal perspective. Look at verse 10. 
We're told Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. I believe the writer of Hebrews is talking about a heavenly city here. He's talking about Abraham's hope beyond the grave. Some believe the Old Testament saints were in the dark about what awaited them after death. I don't believe that at all. Look at verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not having received the things promised, land and nation in the here and now, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So, so here we are told they were trusting in this future fulfillment of land and nation. Though they died before that fulfillment, they're still seeking it. Verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. So what he's saying there is, if they didn't have this eternal perspective, they might not have continued following in faith. They might have begun looking backwards and returned to where they once were, but they were not looking backwards. They were looking onwards. They were looking forward. They were looking heavenward. They were trusting in these future fulfillments they were looking forward to life with God in this heavenly city and pressed on and continued in faith verse 16 but as it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one that's pretty clear right Abraham Isaac and Jacob longed for these physical promises to be fulfilled and they had a hope beyond this life which is why they could live their lives trusting in these future promises that had not yet been fulfilled get this they were able to be faithful in the present because of their confidence in what God was ultimately going to do in the future you see that that's faith that's faith and it pleased God Look at the end of verse 16. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Oh, may that be said of us, believers. For he has prepared for them a city. We said last week, faith honors God and God honors faith. We see that here. Faith honors God, God honors faith, and he rewards it. They inherited an even greater city. We're told in Romans 4 that Abraham believed God and was declared righteous because of his belief. He was saved, he lived by faith, he died in faith, and he was rewarded in glory. That's so important for us to remember because God calls us to the same life. He does. A life of faith. How do we persevere in the faith? By having Abraham's perspective. By realizing that our life is in God's hands. No matter what happens in this life, our future is glorious. If we would just truly grasp that, that would help us live the life that God has called for us to live. We need to have this perspective. Look at this. This is from Al Mohler's commentary on Hebrews. This is great. He says this, The joys of this world are fleeting and passing, but the joys of heaven are eternal, abundant, and never-ending. Our cities, our homes, and the comforts of this life are fleeting. The sandcastles of this world must not distract us from the heavenly city that awaits. In that city, we put our hope. 
So faith is confidence in God when His calling is challenging. It's having an eternal perspective when fulfillment is unseen in the here and now. And number three, faith is trusting in the faithfulness of God when His promises seem unbelievable. Look at the example of Sarah in verses 11 through 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. God made an unbelievable promise to Abraham and Sarah, right? In Genesis, we learn that, that he comes to Abraham. He calls them out when they're far along in years. Abraham is 75 when God first promises him land and he promised to make a great nation out of him and Sarah. But a lot of time passes before they even have the child. And though at times they struggle in their faith, they do ultimately believe God despite the fact that they don't have Isaac until Abraham's 100 and Sarah is 90 years old. And here the writer of Hebrews focuses in on Sarah's faith. He's focused on Abraham. He's going to come back to Abraham, but he's focused in on, on Sarah here. And he says, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age. How was Sarah able, though she struggled at times in her faith, how was she able to ultimately have faith that she was going to conceive? I mean, let's be honest. 90 is pretty old for kids. I better qualify that for kids. We have some 90-year-olds. She's never had kids. Well past the age, yet she believed God's word and she conceived. How is she able to have that kind of faith? We're told, this is great, into verse 11. She considered him who had promised faithful. She considered him faithful who had promised. That is great, isn't it? That's faith. Faith is trusting in the faithfulness of God no matter the promises because of who He is. Even when, especially when His promises seem unbelievable. And Abraham did the exact same thing. Look at verse 12. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead, not the best way to refer to a senior adult. He's basically saying, one, this guy's knocking on death's door. That's what he's saying. But he's saying that to make the point here. Abraham was 100 years old, and from him were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Abraham, like his wife Sarah, believed God's promise of a child before she conceived. We're told in Genesis 15, 5 through 6, and God brought Abraham outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. That's faith. It's, it's believing God, taking him at his word, trusting in his promises, no matter how believable, because he who promises is faithful. Did God keep his word to Abraham and Sarah? Say yes. You better believe it. Genesis 21, 1 through 5. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said to Sarah, as he had promised. 
And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. And as God had commanded him, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. God did as he said. God did as he promised. Again, another great quote by Albert Muller in his commentary on Hebrews. He says, faith looks like this. Faith looks like a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman believing that God will fulfill his promises even when the fulfillment of those promises seems impossible according to human reason. That's faith. That's faith. Faith is confidence in God when his calling is challenging. It's having an eternal perspective when fulfillment is unseen in the here and now. And it's trusting in the faithfulness of God when his promises seem unbelievable. And number four, faith is holding on to what we know to be true about God when his word seems counter. Look at verses 17 through 19. By faith... Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So, we said in the previous point, God finally provides for Abraham and, and Sarah a son. Abraham was first promised it at 75. He did not have a child until he was 100. And a while after that, Isaac's a bit older. Abraham's well past 100 at this point. God tells him, Abraham, I want you to take your only son, the son of promise, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, remember, a burnt offering was when an animal was slain, its blood drained from the body, and the carcass burned. God says, Abraham, I want you to do that to your son. Now, dads, I think we can all agree in here, that's beyond anything we could possibly imagine, right? That's the extent to which Abraham was tested. And remarkably, we're told that Abraham, he believed and he obeyed the Lord. How in the world was he able to do that? Again, previous point, Abraham believed in the promise God had made. He believed that he who promised is faithful. He held on to what he knew to be true about God and followed him faithfully even when it was difficult. Even when what God told him, what, what God told him to do seemed counter to the promises that God had made. We're given a little more insight here in Hebrews to what Abraham was thinking in verse 19. He believed that even if he took his son life God would raise him from death now that right there is amazing because that had not yet happened prior to this story in the layman's Bible commentary we're told this look at this quote no evidence exists that anyone had ever seen or conceived of a bodily resurrection from the dead at this point yet Abraham believed that 
was exactly what God would do if necessary to be true to his promise. That's faith. That's faith. Abraham took God at his word and was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. Y'all remember the story, right? Abraham takes Isaac to a mountain in the land of Moriah. He binds Isaac. He lays him on this altar. He lifts up his knife and God stops him. And he says, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And we're told at that moment, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And God provided a ram as a substitute for Isaac and Abraham sacrificed the ram instead of his son God tested Abraham Abraham proved to be faithful Abraham loved Isaac no doubt but he also shows his great faith and trust when it comes to God's plan and his purpose a wonderful example and get this see if this sounds familiar in this story we see Abraham did not spare his only son for the sake of the father's will. But God provided rescue for Abraham's son. Hundreds of years later, we witness a similar scene, don't we, with different results. While Abraham loved Isaac, that pales in comparison to the love the father has for the son. Yet though that's the case, he sent his son to us and his son came willingly, took on flesh, was born into the family of Abraham, remember? Matthew 1.1, we're told that Jesus was the son of Abraham. And Jesus, instead of going to a mountain in the land of Moriah, we're told he went to a hill called Calvary. And he offered up his own life as sacrifice. Isaac was Abraham's one and only son. Jesus was God's only son. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Jesus was the son of Abraham, but also the son of the God of Abraham. Like Isaac, Jesus was received back from the dead. But unlike Isaac, Jesus actually tasted death. Isaac was as good as dead, but the father intervened. God did not spare Christ in this way. Jesus was put to death at Calvary only to be raised back up on the third day. Isaac had a substitute. Jesus was the substitute. Isaac had a ram die in his place. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaac would go on to die after being spared on the mountain with Abraham. Jesus was raised to live forevermore. Isaac was spared to help fulfill the promise of a future blessing to the nations. Jesus died so that that promise could be fulfilled. He came and lived so that we might be declared righteous in him. He died so that we might be forgiven. And he rose again so that we might be raised with him to live with him in his presence, with his people forevermore. And the question I want to leave you with today is this. Are you trusting in that great work? Have you placed your faith alone in Christ's person and work alone for salvation? Is Christ your Lord for you to be made righteous 
for you to be forgiven, for you to be reborn and raised to walk in newness of life with Christ, you must have faith. Faith honors God. God honors faith. Without faith in Christ, you are without Christ. You're without salvation, and you're without a hope in the world. Charles Spurgeon said this. I'll share this, and then we'll close. This is great. Without faith, we are without Christ, and consequently without a Savior. It would be infinitely better to be without eyes, without hearing, without wealth, without bread, without garments, without home, rather than to be without the faith that brings everything the soul requires. Without faith, we are spiritually naked, poor, miserable, lost, condemned, and without a hope of escape. Is this where you are today? Without Christ, you are. According to Scripture, you're here this morning and Christ is not Lord of your life, if you're not trusting in Him alone for your salvation, I urge you today to forsake your sin and bow the knee to King Jesus right here, right now, today. Place your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation and be saved. Let's pray together.